Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. To steal from the Empire? To just walk in like you belong? They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Adler. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I can get for the greater good call it what you will let's call it war there's fermenting out there son pockets of fermenting that is the trailer for the Star Wars TV series Andor our guest for the next half hour to review it Pastor Teggy says it's Star Wars for grown-ups. We'll find out what he means. Pastor Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. I'm curious whether or not Disney Plus may have peaked too soon. They had The Mandalorian, which was really a breakout success. Then Boba Fett, which eh, people liked it, but it was not The Mandalorian, basically. And that maybe Andor might prove a disappointment. Well, I think one of the things in that kind of list of things that was left out just then is this TV show that they made called Obi-Wan Kenobi, which came out earlier this year, which we didn't actually talk about, partly because it was just so I found it was very dismal. I didn't like it. It was not very well made, I thought. I don't didn't think it did justice to the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And essentially, you know, a lot of fans of Star Wars have had a very rocky relationship with Disney since Disney has purchased the Star Wars franchise. But there have been some bright lights in the midst of all of it. There's some animated shows like The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, which started before Disney had the rights, but kind of they've involved some of that into these new shows. It's kind of been variegated. Your, your mileage will vary from show to show. And I think that Star Wars fans had kind of gotten fairly burnt out just as this show Andor arrived. But this show Andor is like a world apart from Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's, a, it's actually quite a lot more grounded, more gritty, more interesting than the Mandalorian show even which I realize is a bit of high praise, but it's, it's like Star Wars for adults, <laughs> if it were. Like a, it, That's kind of where this is at. This is not, not something for little kids. There's lots of different Star Wars-related things that would be for little kids. 
But this is a bit different because the, the episodes are more slow burn episodes. It's set up, set up, payoff, set up, set up, payoff. And now the back half of the series, season one, is is building, building, building towards something. So it's just and the, the, the people they have involved in it, the directors, the showrunner, the musicians, everything about it is more grounded and smarter. This should be peak Disney plus Star Wars. People who really do like Star Wars should grab a hold of this. The central character is Cassian Andor, and this is one of the characters from the Rogue One film from 2016, which we talked about back in 2016. That was pretty much, I think, of the Disney-era Star Wars films, the best of all of them. And this is a prequel leading up towards that. There's going to only be two seasons of the show. There's this season and then the next season, and that's it. Where does it fall in the official canon chronologically? You have kind of a dating system for all of these. Very nerdy thing to do, but a dating system. I just pulled all this together for us today. So essentially... There is a dating system for these Star Wars shows. Now, this gets deep into the nerdy weeds of everything. And the dating system goes BBY, so before the Battle of Yavin, or Yavin, and then ABY, which is after the Battle of Yavin. So, dear listener, you know, as a Christian, you've heard of BC and AD, so before Christ and Anno Domine in the year of our Lord. And that all is based on when Jesus was incarnate, born into our world to save us. They've basically cribbed this kind of idea of dating things within the Star Wars universe. And what they do is they have before the Battle of Yavin and after the Battle of Yavin. And the Battle of Yavin is the one that happened where the Death Star got exploded. That was in the original Star Wars film back in 1977. And it's kind of marked as the end of one era and the beginning of another era. So this Andor show happens five years before the events of that initial first Star Wars film. So five years before the Battle of Yavin. And that also leads up to that Rogue One film, which is like just in the days, like a week before the Battle of Yavin. So that's where it falls. So it's it's after all of the prequel films like The Phantom Menace, The Attack of the Clones, The Revenge of the Sith. It's after the, the Clone Wars animated series. It's after this Bad Batch animated series, Solo, a Star Wars story, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the TV show, Star Wars Rebels is happening concurrently with these stories. But it's just before A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Mandalorian, which comes after all of those things, The Book of Boba Fett, and then later, later is The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker, which is about 40 years after the events of this show. So that kind of puts it into some sort of timeline. As a listener, if, you, if you're like, well, where does this even fit? There's so much Star Wars, I don't even know what to make of this anymore. That's where it fits. So one of the things that made The Mandalorian great was that it was made by a genuine Star Wars enthusiast, Josh Favreau, who had a heavy hand in the, in the shaping of it and kind of beginning to tell these classic stories again. Does this have the same kind of creative backing? In a way, yes, it does. I mean, it, it's not John Favreau, it's not uh, Filoni. These are guys that are like super involved with Star Wars, but it is Tony Gilroy. And Tony Gilroy is the showrunner, and he was one of the writers on Rogue One. So he knows this particular segment of time within the Star Wars story. 
And when you sit down to write something, you know, he works out all the background information about like where a character might have come from and stuff. And maybe all of that doesn't show up on the screen, but he had worked all of that stuff out. So now this becomes his opportunity to bring Cassian Andor's story of how he turned from one point in his life to becoming a, a rebel in the rebel rebellion against the Empire. And this Tony Gilroy, like just like John Favreau, who had already kind of a bunch of successes as a director and involved in, in projects, Tony Gilroy does too. And he might not be a household name to everybody, but he was the writer-director of a movie called Michael Clayton, which is about a, a law firm fixer played by George Clooney. And it's all dealing with a chemical company that's being sued for multi-million dollar class action lawsuit but it's a thriller it's really interesting it's a really quite the movie actually that's from 2007 he was the writer director of the born legacy from 2012 and then he'd also been involved as a writer for the born identity born supremacy born ultimatum and then he also was a writer on armageddon from 1998 the goofy asteroid movie uh the devil's advocate from 1997 with keanu reeves and al pacino Dolores Claiborne, he was the writer who adapted Stephen King's Dolores Claiborne in 1995 with Jennifer Jason Lee and Kathy Bates. He also has been a producer on House of Cards. He did that for two seasons, I guess 26 episodes. And he was the producer for a movie called Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. These, a lot of these things are kind of downbeat. They're, maybe they got like a lot of tension in them. They're suspense, they're thrillers. There's the Bourne Ultimatum, all of these, the Bourne Identity, all of these movies have kind of like their, their action, but they're covert and there's things happening with spies and government and all these kinds of things. So he has these chops already before coming into a movie like Star Wars Rogue One. And now he brings all of that to the table with, with this. So this is kind of working on kind of a cat and mouse sort of spy kind of insurgent rebellion kind of stuff but with that gritty exterior which he's kind of known for and which he brings to this project what story are we telling in this series so mainly it's the story of Cassian Andor but there are a number of other stories that are also going on so Cassian Andor he's not like an idealist or anything like that but he's essentially as a child he was an orphan who gets rescued off of an imperial mining planet by some scavengers and then you kind of come across him as an adult and he's a morally ambiguous character like he's in survival mode all the time he has no problem with violence as the solution to problems he will steal things but he has kind of a he's almost like maybe a robin hood character but doesn't like nobody cares sort of thing like he has no problem with stealing from the empire because he sees the empire as corrupt so he has a sense of justice but he's also just this low-level kind of character. But he has all of these skills that are maybe useful for a rebellion. So in the first couple of episodes, what he happens is, is that he runs himself afoul of the law, becomes a fugitive, and the only way off the planet is to basically saddle up with the rebellion, and he gets pulled along on this story. The other thing that's going on in it is back on Coruscant, which is the main kind of hub of the Galactic Empire's governance-related stuff. There's the character of Senator Mon Mothma, played by Genevieve O'Reilly. This is a recurring role. She's played this part a number of times. 
And she's kind of working also with the rebellion as kind of a spy, a financier. Then there's also the story of this uh, Cyril Karn, who is a failed security officer kind of for this corporate conglomerate on this planet of Ferrix where Cassian Andor is from. And he's sort of like the Javert to uh, Andor's uh, Jean Valjean, kind of think Les Mis. He's doggedly trying to bring Cassian Andor to justice, but he's got a lot of roadblocks in his way. And then there's also the story of this Lieutenant Dedra Mero, who works for the Imperial Security Bureau as a sector supervisor. And she's kind of maneuvering through this Byzantine intrigues of the ISB, hunting down various threads that she believes is pointing to a much larger rebellion that's kind of orchestrated across the galaxy. And her boss, this uh, Major Partagaz, doesn't really necessarily initially side on this idea, and neither do her, her ISB supervisors. But she's kind of climbing the corporate ladder, as it were, inside of the Empire, trying to prove that what she's thinking might be out there. So there's a lot going on, and they kind of weave these stories together. Tell us more. You kind of said Robin Hood character, but tell us more about the Cassian Andor character. Yeah, so I was mentioning he has some s skills that would be helpful, like he's a pilot. He also has a general attitude that the Rebellion kind of likes. He gets recruited by this character, Luthen Rael, who is played by Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, and the character of Cassian Andor is, again, played by Diego Luna, does a great job I in the show. He's not necessarily 100% a likable character, but he is an underdog character. Some of the skills he has, like I said, he's a pilot, he, he knows the Empire. When asked about, you know, like, how is it that you can steal these kind of important pieces of technology that we can use in the Rebellion, he just says, you know, all you need is a uniform, look like you're supposed to be there, walk in. You know, he says the Empire is so pleased with themselves and fat and corrupt, they can't even imagine that somebody like me would waltz in. So he kind of just covertly walks in. So this kind of covert attitude about things is part of his character. He's also maybe more on the Han Solo side of things, but less charming, let's say. But that whole kind of shoot first, ask questions later kind of a deal, he does that. Like sometimes he'll just shoot somebody. And that's a little unusual for a, a good guy character, but he's on kind of a path. He has a sense of justice, but he's a pragmatist and he's also a pessimist. So he, he doesn't know that what he could, he doesn't see how he would be valuable. He's just trying to survive. So he's kind of kind of plucked out of the streets and he's being brought along along the way. And Tony Gilroy is very interested in looking at how does this guy get to be the character that we finally run into in Rogue One. That's what he's trying to tell with this season and the next season of Andor. What about the Lieutenant Deidre Miro? I think Deidre is a really interesting character. So Deidre Miro, she is played by this Denise Gao, and she's also a bit of an underdog. She's like a woman in a male-dominated field of work in this ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau. And she's... She's very hard-edged. She's very doggedly dedicated to her work. She's an attention-to-detail person. She's also ruthless. And I kind of think, now, for viewers that had watched the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, there was a character of Reva, played by Moses Ingram in it, and she was this inquisitor 
who was hunting down Jedi. And she was like the antagonist to the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And in the end, you're supposed to believe that, you know, she really has a heart of gold. She was doing all of this for her reasons, and she's not really a villain. She's actually a good guy, etc. But she's this woman who's climbing up the ranks inside the Empire in her particular field. And I think when you compare and contrast these characters, there are points of similarity between them. Like Deidre Morrow has the same sort of trajectory and she runs across some of the same sort of roadblocks. But the one character is compelling. So Deidre from Andor is a compelling character that you can even find yourself at times rooting for, even though you know she's a bad guy. And then on the other hand, you have this character of Riva who is insufferable. And it really, it boils down to the writing, the directing, like the way the story unfolds. Now, at the present, I've only watched the first nine episodes of the show. There's another three episodes to come yet before this season kind of ends off. But that character of Deidre has been very interesting and compelling as she's dealing with her other fellow security officers and her boss and everybody. It's quite fun, actually, to watch her, to see a good, interesting, in terms of like a villain that it's done well, right? Where you, you're really kind of engaged with that character and you're interested in what she's got going on. And because she's a bit of an underdog too, there's a way in which you can root for her, even though you know she's a bad guy. But then the whole thing about this show is, by the end of this season and the next season, where does this character end off? Is there a possibility that this character could end up with the Rebellion? Is there a possibility that the character of Cyril, who is this failed security officer from the planet that Andor is from, could he end up with the Rebellion? All the cards are on the table. It's interesting in that way that you don't know exactly where, 100% where everything is going. Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. The Star Wars TV series Andor is our topic. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. Issues Etc. guests Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, Michael Solomink, Craig Mueller, and Dr. Donna Harrison will be speaking January 19th, 20th, and 21st at the Lutherans for Life at the March for Life conference in Washington, D.C. Learn more at lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Do you have to be a Star Wars geek to get Andor? We'll answer that question with Pastor Ted Geese next. What can we learn from our Lutheran forefathers on how to face the challenges of a culture openly hostile to Christianity? Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled For Such a Time as This. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. You'll also find Pastor Will Whedon's article on the monthly Psalter, the free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer. But where's the word of God in this process? When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process 
put the Word of God first, and put your congregation on a good fitting. lcms.org slash stewardship. Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're reviewing the Star Wars TV series Andor with Pastor Ted Geese. Ted, so do you have to be a Star Wars geek in order to get into Andor? I don't know. Like The thing about the show is it, it does have the Easter eggs, like the little bits and pieces, the nods, the names, the people that make it interesting for somebody who really has watched a lot of this stuff. Like you start to pick out certain characters that are from other things and that's kind of fun. Even to the point where there's a guy, Wolf Yalaren, who was in the original Star Wars film and he's just sitting around a board table. He doesn't even have a line, but he's in this show. And he was also in Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. You can notice these things if you're a big time, long time fan, but I don't think it's necessary because if you don't mind a bit of a slow burn, like it's set up, set up, payoff, set up, set up, payoff, and now it's like setting up, setting up to something hopefully big with a big cliffhanger probably at the end of the first season. If you don't mind kind of a a more grounded, dramatic approach to things, some people said that it's kind of like it has the feeling of like Blade Runner or like the sequel to Blade Runner that Denis Villeneuve did. Or maybe like the movie Dune, where it's like, it's not all action, 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 action. It's building up, but there is action. If you don't mind kind of a more dramatic take on the Star Wars universe, and you're willing to go along for the ride, you're probably going to have a good time. If you're super impatient, and you want just all to, just to be explosions and stuff all the time, well, this isn't exactly the show for you, but it's character-driven, it's very atmospheric, it's building the the whole universe that it's happening in, in a way that's very compelling. And listen, sometimes I come on and I'm, I'm talking about how shows fail miserably, like the Rings of Power, and where I'm disappointed in things. Like, I have not been disappointed by this show so far. This show has punched way above its weight, class, and I was very trepidatious starting out. Like, I wasn't sure. Every episode I was like, well, that was a good episode. Well, that was a good episode. <laughs> so I'm really happy with how this is unfolding. I don't know what the last episodes are going to be like, but so far, so good. So what role does the Force play in this? Practically nothing. 
it hasn't even come up. I don't think. Uh, did this, somebody say the force be with you? I can't remember. Like, there's maybe somebody said that. There's no Jedi. I don't even know if the Jedi get mentioned. Not very much if they do. Is this new then to have? Because Mandalorian obviously had Baby Yoda, for lack of a better term, and he was the force element in that one. And then, of course, I can't remember Boba Fett. And then you can't tell Obi Wan without talking about and making the force a major feature but is so is this something new let's do star wars without really including much of the force in it so far you could say that i mean like when you get to that rogue one movie the only thing that has anything to do with the force in it is darth vader darth vader has a cameo a number of cameo appearances in rogue one but yeah there's no jedi in this per se unless somebody is secretly a jedi like Maybe the character of Luthen is an undercover Jedi. But they haven't made a big deal about that. Luthen is a guy who runs an antique shop, like curiosities and things. That's his cover, one of his covers. And in it, there are little bits and pieces of things from like the Clone Wars, and there's Jedi-related stuff in it. one point, um, Cassian is paid with a, a kyber crystal, which is the crystal that goes inside the lightsabers. It does involve the Jedi-related stuff, in a way, but it's not front and center. Like nobody ignites a lightsaber. There's no, there's none of that going on. Like there's nobody using the force or anything like that. It's in that universe, but this is kind of down to the grunt level of things and isn't connected to the whole Jedi ethos in terms of having some central character who's a Jedi. Star Wars fans like when they're doing it right they're injecting not only action and science fiction and good characters, but also some humor in it. That was one of the things that people liked about The Mandalorian is pretty humorless character. Actually, they got some really good comedy out of various things. Just something as simple as Baby Yoda playing with a ball at the end of the lever or something like that or eating eggs. Does this have the same kind of edge of humor in it? No, there's not a lot of humor at this point. Um, it's pretty serious uh, stuff. Not a lot of laughs. If people remember from the movie Rogue One, Alan uh, Tudyk played K-2SO, which is a imperial droid. And that character had a lot of humor. Like, he was the humor brought to the movie. And from what I understand, season two will introduce the character of K-2SO onto Andor, which means that there may be some of that humor, albeit kind of black humor, dark kind of humor, as it were. But that's probably where you're going to see any humor. This one does not have a lot of humorous stuff. It's pretty serious. It's a very serious show. Do you think the diehard Star Wars fans are going to miss that and miss the Force in this thing? I think you could miss that stuff in this. But I think the diehard Star Wars fan also enjoys seeing that world that Star Wars takes place in. And this, Tony Gilroy has brought to the table a really defined, grounded, believable world in which you kind of grow to understand even more the necessity of having the rebellion in the first place. They really show you know, how that all kind of fits together, why it's necessary. And he does it in such a, you know, such an excellent way that I think there's a lots and lots to love in this, especially if you considered, you know, like it's leading you somewhere, right? So 
by the time you, if you were to watch this and maybe season two, I don't know what it's going to be like. And then Rogue One, then you can just like get right on with the original Star Wars films. And it's just nicely all interleaves into that. So uh, sometimes we watch things and they're not just ruining the show they're making. They're ruining shows they already made. (laughs) So there are times when George Lucas would put things in and I'm like, why did you put that in there? You're blowing your own surprises that you had for the audience. This doesn't do that, or so far it hasn't. This is really respectful of all the material that's come before it and where it's going. And I think that if Star Wars fans can just be patient when it comes to, you know, lightsabers and the Force and some of the comedy, I think that this is a super enjoyable show. So finally, Ted, do you have any pastoral concerns regarding viewing this? Well, yeah, like I mentioned before, it's not a show for kids. It is pretty rough in parts. I kind of also don't think that the pacing of it might not be great for children anyways. But the thing about it is, is that these are ambiguous characters. They start from one place, they go somewhere. In the end, you kind of know that this Cassian Andor becomes a character who has a spirit of being able to self-sacrifice for a greater good. But that's not where he starts out. So the Christian viewer who watches a show like this will want to be along for the story of him changing along the way into a different kind of character. Now, he's not like a super virtuous character by the end either. And this is kind of one of these things about this show. It's These are not always, quote unquote, good actors. And there, there are things that they do. They don't have a problem with stealing. They don't have a problem with killing for the cause. They don't have a problem with lying. These are all things that break the Ten Commandments. So Christian viewers watching it, you know, you might root for a character, but these are kind of anti-heroes in some ways. But they're definitely on a trajectory moving towards something better, if not good. So just something for people to take note of as they watch the show. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He is pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, thank you. Thank you. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the midterm elections with Mark Hemingway. We'll talk with Dr. Jack Kilcrease about the doctrine of justification and its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The grace of God, the church's music, the Lord's Supper every service every Sunday, preaching Christ crucified and risen, our hope for years to come, there is hope in St. Louis, Hope Lutheran Church, that is. 
5218 Neosho Street, St. Louis, Missouri. Find us on the web at hopelutheranstl.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. Are you ready for war? Are you ready to stand firm in Christ against all odds? Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. Yes, yes, you are ready because God has made you ready. Your hope is built on Jesus Christ and His righteousness.